Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to 90 Day with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be breaking down part two of the tell-all. The episode begins with Jibri and John's fight continued from last episode. Jibri tells John he's talking about his brother's girl right now. And John tells Jibri, come on now, sparkles. And John then tells Jibri to get off the titty row. Camp counselor Jibri tells John that Patrick is still his brother. Who wants advice from a guy who, first of all, is deflecting to avoid his own issues and be a diva, and second of all, lived with his parents at 28 years old, and then when they suggested it was time to talk about his move-out plan because it's coming in a month, the guy gets mad and says his parents are on some bullshit instead of being grateful. That's really disrespectful to his parents who allowed him the privilege to stay with them under their roof with his fiance as a grown man. His parents fed him and they paid the house bills and all the utilities as his fiance and him lived there rent free. Not everyone has that privilege and it didn't feel like there was gratitude from Jibri. But we also have to keep in mind that what we see on a reality show are highly edited produced clips and storylines and we get a snapshot that's foggy with these reality shows and not always the big picture or the real reality. So we don't know if what we see is what we get. But I don't think Jibri is in any position to butt in and be a diva and play the role of camp counselor when he definitely has his own shit to deal with. I think Jibri wants to be seen. He screams, give me attention. I need attention. I want to be seen. I want to be noticed. With his outfit and the way he interferes, Jibri really wants airtime. He wants to put on a show and he wants to be seen, it seems. He wants to be shown. He's not in a place to give advice himself, but he's giving it regardless as if he fancies himself to have a PhD in clinical psychology. Does he really think he knows what he's actually talking about? Or does Jibri just want to be seen? Anyways, back to the show. Jibri tells John Patrick will be a great father. And he tells John that he's going to be lonely at home, drinking six packs of beer and playing video games while Patrick is a father. And says he isn't lonely. He has friends. And Jibri says, John is dimming lights because his light ain't lit. John asks Patrick about the perception that Jibri has of John and how accurate it is. Patrick says he doesn't think John is lonely. He thinks John gives he and Thais their space for the most part. He isn't too involved in what they do. Jibri interjects, that Thais would say otherwise. Sean asks Thais if she thinks John is too involved in her relationship. And Thais says yes, she thinks so. She thinks Patrick wants to hear advice from John and he shares his life with Thais, their personal details with John. He shares their problems and their privacy. And I think when Thais says he shares their privacy, She means their private stuff with John. 
Patrick says John is his brother and he is going to talk to him about his relationship. He's going to confide in him, their family. And John tells Thais, this is what happens in our life. And Patrick agrees. John says he is trying to be nice. He's trying to be cordial, but he also fights back. He says he's combative like sparkles. He's not going to just sit here and say nothing. It's not in his nature. John asks Patrick if since he has taken the hands-off approach, with John and Thaises arguing back and forth constantly, who Patrick sees as most at fault in the situation. Patrick says it's John, and John winks at Patrick and he says, yeah, sure, buddy. I mean, obviously, if Patrick says he thinks Thais is at fault on TV, she is going to make him pay for it later big time. Patrick says there's no filter with John. There's more combativeness, and it's not good when you're trying to build a relationship with someone. I think personally that both John and Thais are at fault. I understand Thais wanting her own space with Patrick alone, but she was so opposed to John and resistant to him before she even really knew him. And she saw John as some kind of threat. And from day one, I feel like she had a negative energy towards John. And I think John felt that. And I think John is also very protective of his brother. And maybe he's afraid he will lose his brother if his brother goes off and marries someone. I don't know. But he also looks out for his brother. And he can come across as abrasive, sure, and he has no filter, but his heart is 100% in the right place. I just think that Thais and John's personalities don't mix. Next is the break, and John and Patrick hug, so we know that they are still on good terms for sure. Kenny says, a lot of times, somebody can be an ass, but you see there is good in them too. He says Patrick is a nice guy who loves his brother and he'd be a super fun uncle. And that Thais will probably be annoyed by it. Backstage, during the break, Patrick asks John why Jabri is so upset. And Patrick tells John, Jibri is a guy who gets his panties in a bunch. He says Jibri is a guy who likes to spit stuff, but he can't take stuff back. That type of thing, John tells Patrick, some people are soft, bro. He doesn't know what Sparkles thinks, though. He says if he hits him with his right hand, he won't get back up. He says he will drop Sparkles right on the ground. Jibri says he feels bad for Thais. He likes her a lot. He likes Patrick, too. He thinks they're good people. Jibri says he thinks John is a dickhead. He doesn't want to go back in there with that dude. I don't understand why John gets under Jibri's skin so much and why Jibri gets so defensive. John has a job. He makes enough money to put a roof over his head. He doesn't get to live with mommy and daddy. I think Jibri is using John to deflect and to make drama so he gets more airtime. Jibri doesn't like John and he makes it clear as if we didn't already gather that. And he says John pissed him off. 
John is 39, we learn, and he's talking with Emily in the green room, and she wants to know what his spiel is when he sells his security systems door-to-door. Bilal asks if Patrick and John actually sell or if he has other people sell for him. He asks if Patrick is a supervisor, and Patrick explains he has done it where he sells the security systems himself and where he has a team of guys that do it. In my opinion, Bilal is digging at Patrick because the company he works for allegedly is some type of MLM, and it's that kind of a deal, just allegedly, and he knows that, and I feel like this is Bilal's way of getting back at Patrick for Patrick's comments earlier during the tell-all, the first part, when he said, Bilal was using his sales techniques on his wife. The producer at this point warns the group that they need to head upstairs and Jibri lets the producer know he doesn't want to go back upstairs with John. He tells John, I don't want to film with you, bro. What a fucking diva. He needs a mitol. Why can't he be mature and adult and film? Maybe for the same reason He was living with his mom and dad at 28 years old. Is Jibri so bothered by John because John hurt his ego big time by calling him Sparkles? I don't think this is about Thais and Patrick or having their back at all. For some reason, this is personal to Jibri, it seems. It seems like he's triggered. And John has gotten under that diva's skin. Jibri wants the attention. This dramatic overreaction that Jibri is having doesn't equate to his grievances with John, in my opinion. Jibri says he and Miona will go upstairs, but he doesn't want this dude up here. And he points to John, who is just two seats away. And John says, okay, Sparkles. Jibri warns producers He will knock John out if they bring him up there. And John tells Jibri that's not happening. They go back and forth and Jibri warns John he doesn't want it to escalate to that point. Eve tells Jibri they are all invited here, including John. And Jibri says he just doesn't want to get into it with him. And John tells Jibri, if you're going to bring it, you've got to take it. And Jibri says he thinks John is the one giving and he's going to be taking a lot. Violence is never okay, of course, and resorting to violence, especially as adults, is ridiculous on so many levels. In my opinion, if you can't control yourself and your actions and your emotions as a full-grown, mature adult, there's a problem. If Jibri knows he's about to be violent and he really can't control himself, that's a major problem. But honestly, let's be real. Who would be afraid of someone hitting them when they're wearing an outfit that looks like it was made for Richard Simmons? This is like 15-year-old mentality type of behavior, in my opinion, that we see coming from Jibri. Keep in mind, Jibri is 28, probably 29 by now, and here in this scene, he is dealing with a 39-year-old man on camera in a group among a group of castmates. This is really immature and inappropriate behavior, 
And even if you are just doing it to deflect and be a diva who wants airtime, it looks like there could be an issue there. And there's definitely an ego thing going on. Something about John really triggers Jibri. And I wonder if it's that he can pay his rent and pay his bills without mommy and daddy. At least John respects his family and he has gratitude and he's very candid at least. He makes no bones about how he feels. He says what he feels and what you see is what you get. So, and John respects his family and he seems to have a ton of gratitude and respect for them. Jibri says his parents were on some bullshit when they were very generous with him as a grown man who can't house himself and his fiance when his parents graciously allowed them to live there when Jibri was 28 years old. Or maybe the sparkles jab really bruises Jibri's ego that much. Maybe it does. Plus deflection. Anyways, Jibri warns John he doesn't want to have to remove him. And John says he won't remove him. And he points out that he has seen Jibri in action with his boyfriend and he isn't scared. Emily tries to break the tension by saying this is really downing her mood. She wants have a good time. John jokingly asks Patrick if he should just hit him. And Jibri stands up and he tells Patrick that's all respect to him. And John tells Patrick, sometimes people need a little smack. And Jibri repeats that it's all respect to Patrick. But he says he just doesn't fuck with this dude. And John tells Jibri he doesn't care who he fucks with. And he calls him Sparkles. Kenny wants to talk to John. Tim accuses Kenny of having a crush on him. And Kenny says he doesn't have a crush. He just wants to pick John's brain. Kenny and Tim meet with John. Tim asks if John was surprised that Paisley Pastel Cowboy was the one who went for him. And John says Jibri came for him saying six pack and accusing him of being drunk right off the bat. John says Jibri couldn't take it when he gave it back. And Tim asks if John was skeptical when Patrick said he met a girl from Brazil. He says at first he was. Then he got to see Thais's interaction with Patrick and he talked to his sisters and he wondered, does Thais actually love Patrick? And his sisters told John Thais definitely loves him. And John says he and Thais might not be getting along, but he can tell she loves Patrick. And Patrick was going to Brazil every six weeks for a year and a half. It's a lot, John says. So anybody who puts that into it, then you have to give Thais the benefit of the doubt and the chance, even if he and Thais don't get along. Jibri tells Patrick, no disrespect, bro. He tells Patrick, I got you. I'll knock his ass out, referring to John. Thais tells Jibri, they've got him. They've got his back. Thais thanks Jibri for doing what Patrick doesn't do. And Jibri tells her, it's not what Patrick doesn't do. He tells Thais, he respects Patrick and he respects her first and foremost. 
Jibri, in my opinion, really wants to be seen and he really seems to want Patrick's approval because in the green room, when he repeated over and over that he respected Patrick, that it's all out of respect to him three times, expecting some type of response from Patrick, Patrick seemed to ignore Jibri completely. And then Jibri walked up before they started filming on set and he told Patrick directly he respects him on stage again. And Patrick didn't really respond. He shook Jibri's hand, but he said nothing. He just smiled, looking at Jibri like this guy is a joke. But Thais says a lot. She thanks Jibri for his stance, which is her stance regarding John. And she thanks Jibri for doing what Patrick doesn't do. And she says, you know, we have your back to Jibri. And Jibri says, if it weren't for the respect he has for Thais and Patrick, he would have knocked John's ass out already. Wow, he does a lot of talking. Lal comes over to Jibri and he tells him, don't let anybody get to you. And he asks Jibri if he's cool. And Bilal reminds Jibri to remember why he and Miona did this. And he advises Jibri, stay to your gut and don't let anybody take you outside of your character. He's trying to be helpful. He's trying to be kind. Sean asks Jibri what went on during the break. And Jibri says he doesn't like how that dude, referring to John obviously, was talking to Thais and his brother. He says that's crazy to him. Thais supports Jibri. She says at least someone says something. She looks at Patrick, who stays completely silent. The cast looks perplexed as Jibri goes on. He says when he sees people act like how John was treating Patrick and Thais, that brings him back to where he was at in South Dakota, where kids were bullying him and making fun of him for being different or being out there, saying disrespectful stuff. Jibri says that's some trailer trash ass shit. He says that's what we call it in America. He says it gets under his skin when he sees people belligerent and disrespectful to other people. Kara asks Patrick, doesn't it bother you to hear someone call your brother trailer trash? Patrick stays silent and he looks down. He's clearly very uncomfortable. And Jabri says he's from the trailer park. He's from the trailer, but look what his brother is doing, taking care of a wife and being a man. Thais agrees. She says Patrick pays for everything. Three says Patrick is doing all that. And John is sitting here drinking beers at his house, belittling him. Jibri says he doesn't care if it's his brother or mom or dad or sister. His advice is if somebody is toxic in his life, they are removed from his life. That's what he does. That's how he thinks everyone should do it, apparently. He says he's benching them if they're toxic. They're removed from his life. And he says, when you do the work and you get better, maybe I'll bring you back into my starting five. But right now, you are benched. Email me. Jibri says he is going to stand up for when he sees that. And it just makes him mad. 
Jibri says, if you're going to be a bully, let me bully you and see how it feels. Sean asks Thais if she would say she admires Jibri for standing up to John. And Thais says, yeah, because Patrick never says anything. And Patrick says there is nothing to stand up to. He can go ahead and talk all he wants to talk. It doesn't really make a difference. And Kobe says Patrick is a person he should be blaming right now because he should have stood up for his wife. And Guillermo chimes in as well. He says that Thais wants Patrick to be more for her. Patrick responds that he is handling his own the best he can. And he says it's awkward because his older brother has been his older brother his whole life. And it's weird to be in this position now. Patrick tells Jibri, you can't bench your mom. And he points out, you didn't do it yet, meaning Jibri didn't bench his mom. And he's directing this at Jibri, obviously. And Jibri says, his mom put in work. That's rich. His mom put in work. What about Jibri? Jibri loves to talk, talk, talk. But did he put in work on himself? Obviously not if he's the kind of guy who thinks it's a normal reaction to threaten violence and be a diva saying, I won't go up there if he's up there. I'm going to knock him out. Patrick tells Jibri that John put in work too because Patrick didn't have his dad. And Patrick had John, of course. And Patrick tells Jibri it's the same thing. Patrick explains you can't go right for the throat. There's a way to do it. And that's what they're doing now. Sean asks Patrick if he thinks his way is effective because it seems like Thais is still hurt. Patrick says he doesn't know, but it's the best he could do. He's trying. Jibri adds that he doesn't like when people say things to people without repercussions. It pisses him off. Sean mentions how at the beginning of this conversation, Jibri had this exchange with Ari. Ari mentions that if Jibri doesn't like bullying others, he was picking on her before and picking on her relationship with Binny. Ari says, Jibri doesn't see all the other things that go on. So that could be hurtful, the kind of things that Jibri said. Jibri says he wasn't trying to pick on Ari. He was trying to say that Binny has a lot of potential and she should uplift him since that's what couples do. Jibri goes on that when old boy up there was talking about we're going to get hookers and blah, 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 That's not a good role model. Of course, what Jibri is randomly referring to as a way to deflect, I might add, is when Patrick and John were having a conversation and John said he wanted to throw him a bachelor party, even though Thais didn't approve, of course, of having strippers and Patrick didn't want strippers. But he said he was going to get strippers anyway. And I believe that's what Jibri is referring to. So Ari was asking Jibri to address him bullying her and Binny when he just said he doesn't like seeing people bully others. 
And then he deflected and he went back to bringing up John out of the blue and how he said he would throw Patrick a bachelor party with strippers, even though Thais disapproved. And Jibri referred to this in a very vague way. Next, Sean moves on to Emily and Kobe, who got married and welcomed their second child together. They show a beautiful video of adorable Scarlett and her birth, and Emily breaks down in tears, saying she loves her family so much, and she loves her life, and she wants to have all the babies with Kobe. Emily mentions how with Coben, Kobe missed a lot. And he wasn't there for the birth. So when Scarlett was born, it was really special. And Kara was crying too because soon that will be her and her and her husband will be having their child. Hobie says regarding being in the delivery room for the birth this time that he doesn't like blood. It's not his thing. Sean explains that Emily freeze-dried the placenta to put in a pill form, to put the hormones depleted from birth back into her body through taking the capsules. Kara plans on doing the exact same thing. Kara has even heard of people taking the placenta home and cooking it, but she says that's way too much for her, so she'll just stick to the pills. Guillermo says when asked what he thinks, that with all due respect to his wife, they ain't cooking that shit in his kitchen. Sean asks, what raising two kids does to intimacy in a marriage? Emily defers to Kobe, who says they haven't had sex in a long time. Emily says a long time is two weeks. And Kobe calls her out. He says, it's been over a month that they haven't had sex. Kobe says that's what happens when you have kids. And Emily says they're making time for it. They are going to. Sean asks if there was zero intimacy after Scarlett. And Emily says they've had sex since Scarlett was born. Kobe says they've had sex four or five times since Scarlett was born. Mitz, it's because of him, because he doesn't want to take any chances right now with Emily getting pregnant. Shida volunteers Bilal's expertise. She suggests that she thinks Kobe should talk to Bilal because Bilal knows how to not get a woman pregnant, so he could probably give Kobe some notes. Eve points out that Bilal looks super confident. And Bilal claims he has got super sperm too. And Sean points out that Shida was definitely throwing some shade at her husband. Bilal adds that Shida is the queen shade. Sean asks if anybody else's sex life has cooled and Thais and Patrick says their sex life has gone up. Kara says it's better now. And Sean asks Bilal and Shida. Shida says Bilal likes to practice a bit, but she thinks after practicing, something should be here, gesturing to her belly. Bilal says they've been apart for so long that he wants them as a couple to enjoy each other for a little bit. And Patrick asks, 
How long is a little bit? Bilal thinks two years, and Shida says it's taking too long. Shida points out she's 37, time is ticking, and Kobe tells Bilal to remember the time. He says, Bilal doesn't control time, and Kobe points out you never know how long it will take until you really start trying. And Shida thanks Kobe for making that point. Kara points out that she had a friend who tried for years and years and years. Shida says Bilal thinks having a baby means life stops. And Bilal says he doesn't think that. And he tells Shida she is taking the context of what he is saying differently. Bilal says what he is saying is when you have kids, the reality is it limits you on something you can do at that moment. In other words, you can't be spontaneous. You don't have all the options in front of you that you would if you didn't have kids. And Shida responds that she feels like when you meet the right person, you know. She says Bilal holds that against her, that she feels that way. Bilal says no, he disagrees. He says when they first started talking, Shida mentioned she didn't want to have children. And Bilal was the one who actually convinced her to have kids because he actually does want more children. Sean asks Shida if that's true, that initially Bilal had to convince Shida to have kids. And Shida says it didn't happen like that whatsoever. It didn't happen that Bilal had to convince her he says if he convinced her, it would have been easy for him. She says Bilal didn't convince her and that he has never, that he doesn't want kids right now at all. Bilal says they aren't talking about right now. They are just talking about having children in general. Shida tells Bilal he didn't convince her. That's not how it went. Next up are Emily and Kobe. Sean says... While Kobe could not have been happier when he arrived in the U.S., not only did he finally see his fiancée after they had been apart for so long, but he was all set to meet his son for the first time. However, Emily had other plans for their first day together. They flash back to the scene of Kobe wanting to meet his son for the first time ever, and Emily instead wanting to have a date night first. Sean points out there was a lot of reaction to Emily's plan to keep Kobe all to herself the first night he arrived in America. Sean reads a tweet that says, If this situation were reversed, you would be outraged. You have never met your son before, but I'm going to talk you into sex before you can see him. This is gross. Sean asks what Emily has to say to people who were appalled by her plan. Emily says, eight months, five times, okay? Emily says she would have brought Coben to the airport, but COVID was a big thing. So she decided Coben wasn't going to come. It was a long day and she didn't want to get back and have Coben be ready for bed and not excited to see his dad. 
Emily says she hadn't seen Kobe in 17 months, so she just thought, let's just have one night. And she obviously looked very different from when Kobe met her, and she was really nervous about that. Kobe says he felt that Emily premeditated that. She planned that night, and she didn't even tell him about it before he left Cameroon. So if Emily had told him, he would have prepared his mind psychologically for having to wait even longer to meet his son. Kobe says he was thinking he was going to meet his son, Coben, and this is blood. Emily says she's apologized that she should have asked Kobe beforehand, and she should have given Kobe the option to decide. Emily says she wanted one night since they were going to be living at her parents' house. Kobe says he was surprised by Emily's move. Bilal asks Emily What made her say, this is our only opportunity to take this time? Emily says, once Kobe was with Coben, she didn't want to take him away from him. Emily wanted Kobe to be with Coben. Kara says, imagine coming back after that long and not seeing each other. And then being in the house with your parents, with a child, and trying to hook up. Muhammad chimes in that after 17 months apart, he can understand. Kobe says it was almost two years that he and Emily were apart, and Emily says it was a long time. Ari says she wasn't a fan at first when she saw that scene of Emily wanting to take the night at the hotel before Kobe meeting his son. But now, hearing Emily explain it, She says she gets it more. It makes sense now. Next up are Eve and her squad. How cringe, by the way, to be 50 plus and call your girlfriends your squad. It's very junior high, in my opinion. But anyways, Sean says the squad was pretty critical of Muhammad and vice versa. And they play those clips in the flashback of Eve's friends talking to Muhammad Muhammad says in the flashback that his first impression is that Eve's friends are weird and that he feels they are trying to see how he will react because he is a Muslim and he says they're on purpose showing more cleavage just to get under his skin and he doesn't need to see that. They show Eve's friends asking Muhammad questions. Things like if he has ever had sex before with another woman and he never kissed another woman until Eve. And Eve's friend asks how Muhammad knew what to do then since he never had sex or kissed a woman. Next, Eve's friend asks Muhammad if he has ever watched porn. Like if since he was a virgin and he had never kissed a woman, if that's how he knew like what to do. Muhammad says that in Egypt, No one would ever ask these kinds of questions. They wouldn't talk about sex, talk about watching porn. He says he doesn't want to be here in the flashback scene. And Eve's friend points to another friend's cleavage and she asks, is this freaking you out? (laughs) Obviously, cleavage doesn't freak the man out too much and it doesn't uh, mess with his sensibilities too much because he was talking to multiple women on the side saying he wants to keep them in bed all day long and like he found his text messages so 
I'm sure that the cleavage didn't offend him that much. <laughs> it didn't upset him that badly. In the clip, Muhammad says Eve's friends were judging him, and that shows how stupid they are. Tatiana, Eve's friend and squad member, comes out on set to give her take on Muhammad. She hopes they can clear the air and they can talk about it and move on or talk about it and just leave it there and part ways. Khan asks Tatiana what she thinks about those things Muhammad said about her and her friends. She mentions he called them weird and said they were stupid and that they had their boobs hanging out. Tatiana said she thought that Muhammad has his opinion and they have theirs. Muhammad asks Tatiana if she thinks this kind of conversation is normal in any culture. Tatiana says for them to be brought into a situation and Muhammad cuts Tatiana off rudely and she asks if he will be letting her finish. Tatiana says she thinks that this whole situation is unorthodox, so you're going to have unusual conversations. Muhammad says it's not normal in American culture. He says he has so many American friends now, and all of them told him that's not their culture, that that conversation wasn't normal culturally, that they don't speak to people that speak that way. Tatiana says in this crowd, in their crowd, they do talk about sex. They are very open and empowered and they don't see a problem with either sex discussing it. Muhammad says Tatiana can talk about sex as much as she wants, but his personal life isn't her business. She suggests Muhammad listen to the rest of her answer before overtalking her. Tatiana tells Muhammad if he just wants to talk, he can talk all by himself. She tells him, just go ahead. And Muhammad says, this is his sexual privacy. It's not anybody's business. He tells Tatiana she can talk about sex till tomorrow. As long as she doesn't talk about his private life. Eve says, Tatiana already apologized for this. And Tatiana says she and her other friends are not just some vulgar women that go up to conservative men and start asking about their sex life. The way they all met is through studying Tantra, and it's not just about sex. They don't view sex as taboo or something that is uncomfortable. But Tatiana says she does understand that there are cultures who find sex to be very sacred and they uphold sex in a different way. Ari asks Tatiana if it's a big shock to her that Eve ended up with someone who isn't open and who is so conservative. Ari asks if maybe that was a shock for her. Tatiana says in their group they did not mean it as a bad thing and she thinks they are all learning from this. Muhammad tells Tatiana she went over there to know him because she doesn't know who he is. And Muhammad asks if Tatiana knew him better when she figured out that he's good in bed. Tatiana says they know a little bit more now and they are just 
trying to understand the draw of this whole situation that they have going on between Eve and Muhammad. Eve expressed to Muhammad that if anything makes him uncomfortable in the future because of the cultural differences, that he should speak up. Eve says she didn't know Muhammad was a virgin until after the fact, after she took his virginity. She assumed because he had a girlfriend in college that he wasn't a virgin. She didn't discover that Muhammad was a virgin until way after they hooked up. Kobe interjects that he felt like Eve's friends planned that they were going to get Muhammad before they even met him. Kobe says Muhammad isn't really familiar with this topic, like sexual stuff. And Muhammad points out this was his first time meeting Eve's friends. Kobe says he feels bad that Muhammad didn't have anybody. Tatiana says she understands that, and that's a dynamic that she can't explain to other people. But what she doesn't respect and what she doesn't appreciate is that during the whole time, Muhammad had every opportunity to say how he felt. They even came up to Muhammad during that conversation and they asked, hey, is everything good? So Tatiana says, whatever Muhammad has to say and this anger coming out, he had a chance to speak it. He had a chance to resolve it. And now he is coming at her very aggressively. And Tatiana says she doesn't know what Muhammad is expecting to get from that. But it's not what she came here to do. Muhammad says that Tatiana didn't understand that he was feeling uncomfortable. And Tatiana said she just said she did understand. So she asks what Muhammad is needing from her so he can feel better about it. And Eve chimes in that she didn't know Muhammad was uncomfortable either during that conversation. And Muhammad says, right now, he doesn't need anything from Tatiana. But he expected Eve to say something, but she didn't speak up during that conversation. Because Muhammad says he doesn't think any woman will accept these types of questions to be asked by her friends to her husband. And Eve says she didn't know Muhammad was uncomfortable. Tatiana says every time they have talked with Muhammad just to see if he is really about Eve and to see if this is what Muhammad really wants because there is a lot of stuff that won't make the relationship easy. Jibri asks Tatiana if she thinks it's genuine love, though, between her friend and Muhammad. Tatiana ignores this. Instead, she asks if any of the other couples have had their person tell them they would get another sponsor. Jibri says that's just a communication error. He asks Tatiana if Eve is her best friend, and she says, yeah. And Jibri goes on that he doesn't know, but from the outside looking in, he's team even Muhammad. Sparkles Jabroni thinks it's genuine love. Jibri tells even Muhammad not to worry about all the religion and the differences and all that. 
he believes in them, and all he sees is true love. Sean asks Tatiana when she heard Muhammad was interested in getting another sponsor, what she was thinking. And Tatiana points out it wasn't just an inquiry about another sponsor. It was said. And she says, Jibri was right. It was in anger. It was said in anger. Sean rolls the clip of Muhammad texting Eve that he wants to find another sponsor and their little argument in the kitchen over it. Tatiana says it was hurtful and she wants to know why Muhammad wanted another sponsor. She says it seemed like it was more of a thing of impatience. And Shida says for her coming to America and not being able to work and starting from scratch, it's a lot of pressure and you do become impatient. She asks Bilal how many times she sounded just like Muhammad. And Bilal says Shida said the same stuff. And she would even say she was going back to Trinidad. Guillermo asks, do you know what it feels like to work six days a week and then stop? Guillermo understands Muhammad and he says he did the same thing. And Kara admits it's hard. She says, but you know how hard it is to bring someone here from another country and work and make it work doing the best you can to then have someone tell you you aren't moving fast enough? Guillermo says when you are frustrated, you can say things you don't mean 100%. Jibri asked who did the paperwork, Kara or Guillermo, and Kara did the paperwork. Jibri asks Guillermo if he knows how hard that paperwork is, and he suggests since Kara was working, Guillermo should have done the paperwork. Jibri says it's a lot of paperwork and the immigrant partner puts it all on the Americans and then asks them to hurry up. Tatiana thinks that Muhammad's ego is really going through it, coming to America and being here. And Sean asks Tatiana if she thinks Muhammad has a big ego. Tatiana says she wouldn't say Muhammad has a big ego. She just thinks he's had trouble trying to find himself. Muhammad is getting angry. If looks could kill with the way he looks at Tatiana, seething in anger, Eve whispers to Muhammad, stop, you need to chill. As Tatiana is speaking, Tatiana says, the thing is, at the end of the day, the squad vetted him because they just wanted to make sure that Muhammad was okay. Eve is in tears. She says she loves these women. They're like her soul sisters. They mean a lot to her. And she loves them a lot. And she loves Muhammad too. And she wants them to be able to hang out again and start out on a new page. Eve wants Muhammad to understand that her friends are beautiful people. And Muhammad tells Tatiana the thing is, he does appreciate and respect her relationship with Eve. And he thanks her for being supportive of Eve, even from before he arrived in America. But these conversations, the type of conversations that she likes to have, won't help her to know who he is. Muhammad says 
he expected other kinds of questions. And other than that, he has no problem with Tatiana. Muhammad gets up to shake Tatiana's hand and they briefly hug and Muhammad tells Tatiana, other than that, their line of questioning, he has no problem with anyone. Tim says, even Muhammad were the two people he would have bet wouldn't have made it at the start of the season. And Kenny thinks even Muhammad are fighting to stay together. It's the most animated Tim has ever seen Muhammad the entire season. And Kenny jokes the octave went up one notch. The cast takes a break here and Muhammad says, that was really stressful. His heart is beating so fast in the green room. Emily says if she brought Kobe in front of all of her friends the first time meeting them and they asked, oh, are you a virgin with their tits hanging out? She would tell her friends to hold the fuck up. Sarah points out that's not normal for anyone's culture and Guillermo agrees. Miona, who has stayed mute all tell all, agrees with a yeah. That's probably the first she spoke all tell all to another person that wasn't Jibri. Eve comes in and asks Muhammad to come with her for a minute. Tatiana wants to talk to Muhammad and she really wants to make sure that she and Muhammad clear the air because she knows that he is uncomfortable with her and the rest of the squad. Tatiana tells Muhammad they are good people for Eve. They are her friends and they support her. Eve tells Muhammad Tatiana was surprised because he seemed so angry still. And Tatiana has discussed this with Muhammad twice before. Muhammad tells Tatiana he just felt disrespected. And Tatiana says she is genuinely saying she hopes they can move forward. She tells Muhammad she respects him, she apologizes, and she wants to make sure they're okay because Muhammad is a part of her best friend's heart and Eve's heart matters to her. Muhammad says yes, the same. He says he respects her and he never even, when he was mad, he never said he didn't respect her. And Tatiana says no, he just called them stupid and weird. Muhammad says that's something else. And Tatiana says going forward, she just will make more of an effort. And Eve tells Muhammad she would like him to make more of an effort too. And that would mean a lot to her. Muhammad agrees and Eve, Tatiana and Muhammad have a group hug. Next in the hot seat are Ari and Binny. Viewers first met them when Ari took a trip the other way and she went to Ethiopia to live with Binny. After lots of ups and downs, they decided that their best hope for a happy life together would be a move to the U.S. Avi is doing great and Sean asks Binny about all the time he's been spending out in Vegas. Binny says Vegas is crazy. Binny likes Vegas because that's where he has to be to train for the MMA and in Vegas he has lots of people. There's a big Ethiopian community. So Benny feels like he's home in Vegas. He feels better around there. Ari says, of course, Benny will love Vegas. That's Benny in a city. 
It's bright and flashy and noisy and there are parties, but she doesn't really like Vegas. Muhammad says Vinny is a grown man and he should be able to choose where he wants to live. Ari says that's true, but she asks if she has to go with him then. And Jibri says no. And Ari chuckles. She tells Jibri this is his dream, that she and Vinny break up. And Jibri says no. He doesn't want them to break up. He just wants Ari to be more supportive. Emily points out that Jibri said they won't last. And Jibri says they aren't going to last and that Emily knows it too. He says she knows that ain't gonna work. He says their energy ain't gonna work. Shida tells Jibri not to put his mouth in their relationship. She suggests, let's stay positive. And Jibri says, he's just giving his opinion and his opinion doesn't matter. He thinks all the couples on stage will last except for Bilal and Shida and Ari and Binny. That's the honest opinion from relationship expert Jibri. Sean asks, you don't think Bilal and Shida are going to last? And Jibri says, no, they aren't going to work. He hopes they do, but he doesn't think they will. And he says his gut is usually right. Jibri thinks Ari and Binny have a better chance at working than Bilal and Shida, though. That is, if Ari can stop being so jealous and possessive. And Jibri says they have a kid together, so apparently that makes it have more of a chance of them working out. Sean asks Jibri if he thinks Bilal and Shida have the least chance of working out. And Jibri confirms that in his view, Bilal and Shida have the least amount of chance of working. Absolutely, he says. Bilal says he tends not to speak on what he does not know. Ari points out that at least she is aggressive-aggressive and not passive-aggressive. Jibri tells Ari she can be whatever aggressive she needs to be. But she should support her man more with the fighting. Kara says when she hears this about Binny, she thinks Binny has so many things that would be great for him in Vegas. Ari says she knows, she gets it, she agrees. She says when Binny first told her, she thought Binny could live out in Vegas and come back and forth to see her in Avi. And Binny said no, he likes the freedom of being married but doing his own thing. Sean asks Ari if her version of marriage aligns with Binny's version. Ari sighs. She says Binny is the one who has been teaching her this is what commitment is. This is what being together is. So she loves that. But on the other hand, there's a part of her that's like, oh my God, she wants to run away screaming because it's scary to be in a committed relationship. And it's scary because she does love Binny. And when she gets crazy, like trying to spar with MMA fighters in gyms, it's because she actually cares about Binny. And if she didn't care about him, she just wouldn't even react. 
Sean asks Ari if she has traveled back to Ethiopia recently. And Ari was in Ethiopia for three months. She was helping with the camps for displaced people because there's a war going on in Ethiopia. So Ari was raising money and she helped deliver food and supplies to one of the camps. And Ari took Avi with her. She wanted Avi to see friends and family in Ethiopia and she didn't expect to stay for three months. But it was good for herself and Benny to have a break from each other. She says, she says she is overwhelming and Benny is annoying. She tells Benny she loves him, but it was good for them to get away from each other, at least for a little bit. Sean asks Benny how he felt being away from Avi for so long. Benny says it was really hard because when Ari left, he was under the impression she was just leaving for a week. He had no idea it would turn into a three-month trip. When Ari was in Ethiopia and Benny was in the U.S., Ari was nervous that she would have to go through the same traumatic experience of not being able to get in touch with him. And she feared he would turn off his phone and not communicate with her. So Ari just decided not to deal with it at all. She pulled a binny on him and she blocked him for a little bit. Sean reminds Ari that she got very upset when Binny did that to her, when he blocked her, when she came to the States with Avi before. And Ari was furious with Binny then. Sean asks why it was okay for Ari to do that to Binny. Ari says she doesn't think Binny even noticed. Miona asks why Ari would block Binny. She asks her, what's the message behind that? Jibri says it's playing games. Ari says no, she was just trying to lessen her control thing and checking on his what's up, the phone app. And she was just focused on Avi, so she decided not to deal with Binny. Sean asks the cast, who thinks it's odd for a husband and wife to block each other? And the cast says it's weird. And Emily says the fact that Ari said she didn't think Binny would notice, she would notice immediately if she was blocked by Kobe, Emily says. And Ari says she was blocking Benny so she could not communicate with him. And this is why their communication has gotten better. Because when she came back from Ethiopia, she was quiet and she let Benny talk. And she listened to him and she got better. Kara thinks that's an interesting approach. Benny says he would talk to Ari sometimes. But he didn't know she blocked him. When he called, it didn't work and he thought maybe it was a phone issue, not that she blocked him. Ari says Binny gave her the benefit of the doubt, but she didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. Sean asks if Ari considers it healthy to block Binny. And she says no, but it worked. Leandro is Ari's best friend and her ex-husband, and he has been a source of friction in Ari and Binny's relationship. 
Leandro joins the cast. Sean tells Leandro he gives Ari and Benny advice, and she asks Benny how he feels when his wife's ex-husband gives him relationship advice. Benny says, first of all, he doesn't like Leandro, and second, every time he comes, he gives advice to Benny, and Benny asks him to stop. He says it's not just about Ari. He says all of Ari's family wants Leandro back. Ari explains that her mom considers Leandro like a son, and her brother is best friends with Leandro. Guillermo asks Ari if her mom wishes she could be with Leandro because she has better communication with Leandro. Ari says she doesn't know Guillermo would have to ask her mom that. Thais chimes in. She has been relatively silent all tell-all, but she chimes in here. She says, Benny can't have friends, he can't have woman friends, and Ari can have her ex. Ari says Benny can have woman friends, but she just doesn't want to see Benny roll on the floor with them. Benny says, Both Ari and Leandro speak in Spanish, and it's very uncomfortable for him. He doesn't understand Spanish. He says Leandro and Ari talk a lot, and he doesn't know what they are talking about. He says in his mind he wonders what is going on, and he doesn't feel comfortable. Jibri tells Benny he can't do this anymore, and he has to stand up for himself. Kobe asks Leandro if he was in Benny's position. Would he approve for his wife to be best friends with her ex-husband? Leandro says he would be suspicious, but he would still allow it. Thais asks Leandro if he has many girlfriends, and he says yes. Patrick jokes that they can be swingers. Sean tells Leandro that he told Benny that he was not paying enough attention to Ari. And Leandro says yes, sometimes Benny worries too much about training and not so much about his wife. That's how it seems to Leandro at least. Hobie is laughing. He asks, are you kidding me? And Leandro says he thinks Benny needs to focus on the family. And after all, the family is what they want to have a family together. Benny says he is focused on his family. And Leandro knows that Benny says he is working very hard for his family. Sean asks if he would be okay if Miona had an ex-husband and if she was best friends with him and he was offering him relationship advice. And Jibri says, hell no. Patrick points out that Benny is not okay with this. And Benny says, it's not about just that. He isn't okay. He isn't happy and it doesn't make him comfortable. Guillermo gives his advice. He says Ari and Benny are trying to fix their relationship. And he tells Ari, first, she should figure out her relationship with Benny and then try to bring her ex into her relationship because right now it's making more problems so they won't fix anything like this. And Ari says, Obviously, she will choose her family first, and she will choose Benny, but she doesn't want Benny to put her in a position 
where she has to choose anybody. Next up are Jibri and Miona. Rather than having a proper wedding with their loved ones in attendance, they chose to elope, a decision that caused some major rifts with their friends and family. They're living in Palm Springs right now, and they're thinking about traveling more and spending part of the year outside the U.S. Jibri says he and Miona love adventure, and Jibri wants kids, but he and Miona still have more adventures to go on. Jibri is appreciative that Miona is such an adventurous, sexy woman who is on the crazy adventure he is. So he's glad that she jumped on this red carpet with him and they're off in the sunset. He is glad she lived in South Dakota with him and he knows that wasn't a good idea and it backfired, but he commends Miona for doing that. Jibri says it's not that South Dakota backfired, but Miona wasn't feeling the Black Hills of South Dakota the way he thought she would. And him living with his mom and dad in the house, it was all too much. And Miona agrees they shouldn't have done that. Jibri thinks in hindsight he should have gone straight to L.A. He says he should have listened to Miona. She's right, he says. Sean says Jibri and Miona living in South Dakota with his parents gave his parents an opportunity to observe their son's relationship with Miona and it gave them time to question whether Jibri was making the right decision to marry her. They show a flashback of all of Jibri's parents' concerns. Jibri's parents told him they could not attend his wedding because they didn't have enough time to plan around their work schedules. Sean asks Jibri if that's the real reason they didn't come. Jibri says it hurts him, but at the end of the day, they're his parents and he's a grown man. He's 28, but it still hurt. Miona says it hurt them both and she made multiple efforts to make his parents attend. She thinks Jibri's parents were offended that she didn't want to have the wedding in South Dakota. Just the way his mom imagined it would be. Miona thought they would change their mind up until the last minute, but it never happened. They invited Jibri's parents to the tell-all and his parents declined. And the last time Jibri saw his parents was when he and Miona left South Dakota. It's been six months since Jibri last saw his mom. Jibri's friend and bandmate David also didn't approve of Jibri's relationship with Miona. He joins the cast. Sean asks how things are between him and Jibri. And he says he and Jibri are always intense. They just have that type of relationship. And Sean clarifies that there was tension in their relationship before Miona. And David says yes. She asks David if Miona's relationship with Jibri added to the tension. And David says it definitely did. The most it added is the separation. Jibri drifted away. Jibri explains he had to put David and the band at a distance because he felt like they were weighing him down when they went on tour. Their momentum was strong. And then Jibri felt like he was leading the group and David wasn't really pulling his weight. 
The band was a wait for debris, he says. And then when he met Miona, she did not make him feel stressed. And the band gave him stress. So Jibri was thinking he could do his solo thing and be with a beautiful woman and travel the world. David says when Jibri felt like the band was stressful and that he was the leader putting a lot in. When Jibri felt that David and Brandy were weighing him down, David says that's when Jibri should have said what he just said at this tell-all. David says you say those things, you say what you feel. David says he thinks the way it happened is what hurt him more than anything else, and he didn't know Jibri got engaged. None of them knew. It just happened on Instagram, and he didn't even know Miona and Jibri got married. Jibri says David wouldn't have attended, and David points out he was never invited to the wedding. Jibri insists had he invited David, something would have come up. And David says, no, he's going to two weddings this year, in fact. And Jibri says, not his. And David asks why. He asks why he wouldn't be invited. He says that is crazy and he wants to be a part of Jibri's life. David says the more he separates him and the more he pushes away, it makes David feel he is more distant from Miona. And David suggests... Bring Miona in. Let's get to know her. And Jabri says, when he and David met Miona originally, he was never supportive from the beginning. And David says, Jibri built up a wall and he hid Miona from them. And Jabri says, that's his frustration when there are people from the outside looking in. And David isn't giving him a solution. David says Jibri never asked for help and Jibri says he is asking David now. Jibri asks, what is David's solution from this point forward? Because Miona is his wife, not just his girlfriend. And David says Miona rubbed him the wrong way and he was honest about it. At this point, Jibri walks off. He walks off the set as he says, that's some bullshit. Jibri says David doesn't want to pick up a call or fucking talk to him. And then all of a sudden, he wants to play the nice guy. I know what viewers see on the show is highly edited and produced, but I really don't think David is just playing a nice guy. Now, if we remember earlier on in the season, David encouraged Jibri to have a job. He's responsible. He has some kind of trucking business. And he encouraged Jibri to get his trucking license. And Jibri did that. And uh, David had a truck that he said could be Jibri's. He was willing to get Jibri work. And Jibri turned David down. He didn't want to do that. And David was really encouraging Jibri to be a man, to have a job, to have a stable income. And Jibri didn't seem interested. So I don't think David is just playing a nice guy. Jibri is backstage talking to himself. And he says David sees Miona and what he's been doing with her, and he wants David to be happy for him. Jibri says David is just jealous. That's really what it is. Fuck no. David is not jealous, in my opinion. Jibri seems to have a really big ego and a chip on his shoulder, and he seems to have very little self-awareness to perceive things as they are. 
Nobody is jealous of Jabri and Miona. Of what exactly? There are people just like everyone else living their lives. No one is jealous. In my opinion, David cares about Jabri and he sees Jabri spinning, controlled by his emotions, flip-flopping, not having a stable life, not having a stable job, things like that. And I think that David was really unsure of Miona's intentions. And he was just trying to look out for Jabri because he sees that Jabri has such an immature mindset. And because Jabri has a big ego and he's butthurt, rather than see the truth, he sees that David is jealous when that's preposterous. Jabri comes back on set and he says he just wants to have his friends and family support him. He tells David if David pulled up tomorrow and he said he just won the lottery, Jibri says he would be happy for him. And Jibri feels when he got with Miona, David wasn't necessarily happy. Well, not everyone would equate being with Miona to winning the lottery by any stretch. David saw red flags. He was concerned. David wants to get to know Miona. He wants to be a part of their happiness. But Jabri just went off and eloped. Sean asks Miona if she feels responsible for breaking the group up. And Miona says no, she doesn't feel responsible. Miona says there was something in the background from the past that came out now maybe, but she isn't the one responsible she says maybe Jibri being in a relationship with her brought that to light, but she isn't responsible. She says this would happen with or without her. Sean asks the couples if anyone thinks that Jibri isolated himself from the people who love him, like David and his parents. Kobe thinks 100% that it's Miona, and he says... If Miona wasn't in the picture, he thinks Jibri would stick with his band. Miona says there would be another Miona if it wasn't this Miona, if it wasn't her. And Kobe says if it wasn't this Miona, there would be another Miona. And David tells Jibri they made a commitment. John asks David if he thinks Jibri broke a promise. David said it's not that he thinks... Jibri broke a promise. It's that he knows it. He says Jibri broke a promise six months in, right when they were at their peak. And Jibri broke it, and he made another commitment with no communication. Sean tells Jibri what she hears David saying is that he was not a man of his word. Jibri admits he didn't follow through, and David tells Jibri he feels like Jibri needs to do his thing, but maybe the future will hold something different for them. But right now, Jibri is just too all over the place for them to be together as a band. Sean asks if the friendship is over right now. David thinks they have to give it time. And Jibri says at some point, David has to say he is wrong. David asks if Jibri is saying he wants him to say he was wrong about Miona. And Jibri says he wants David to say he was wrong about Miona. He wants him to say, Jibri, I appreciate you as a friend. You've taught me a lot. I've taught you a lot. Jibri says it's just like he can sit here and say that David changed his life. 
He learned the language because of him. He did this. And he says, thank you. It's gratitude and empathy. And Jibri doesn't know why David doesn't have that. David says he does have that in many different ways. If Jibri calls him for anything at any moment, he is there for him. He tells Jibri he changed his life too in many ways. He says maybe he was wrong about Miona. David feels like Miona has proven differently. At this, Jibri stands up and he walks over to David. And Jibri and David shake hands and they hug and they both apologize to each other. Next up are Emily and Kobe. Emily's mom, Lisa, and her dad, David, join the cast remotely. Everybody is still living together at Emily's family's house. One big happy family. Sean asks David, Emily's dad, if he is getting rent from them. And Emily says they buy the groceries, Emily cooks, Kobe takes care of the animals, Emily cleans the house. It's a group effort. Sean reminds David that he said he was worried that he would be supporting everyone for more than six months. And David says it's been more like a year and he thinks Emily and Kobe have a time frame in mind so they're going to work with them. Emily's mom says for their own relationship at some point, Emily and Kobe need to move on. David says they've got to go for their own good. Sean says Emily and Kobe said after having their second child, it wreaked havoc on their sex life. There is no intimacy. So Sean has to ask Emily's parents, with the house being full, how is it for their sex life? David says their house is soundproof. Sean mentions that Emily and Kobe butted heads a lot over their son, Coben, especially when it came to breastfeeding. They flash back to scenes of Kobe and Emily's co-parenting dynamic. They play the scene where Kobe asks Emily to stop breastfeeding because he loves breasts too and he can't share Emily's breasts with his son. Kobe says Coben was big enough at the time he didn't need to breastfeed to survive at that point. Muhammad jokingly asks if Kobe doesn't need that to survive too. Emily's mom says she thinks in America they need to really normalize breastfeeding and the fact that men find breasts pleasurable is a bonus but the fact is boobs are there to feed our children and that should be the priority. Patrick says he is trying to figure out what he is going to do. And Thais suggests Patrick can have one boob and the baby can have the other. Sean asks David what he handed Kobe before the wedding ceremony, telling him it was Kobe's job now to take care of Emily. David says it was personal and he doesn't know if Kobe wants to share it or not. And Kobe doesn't want to share it. And it was something that meant a lot to David. And it meant a lot to Kobe too. It was symbolic with David saying, now Kobe is taking care of his daughter. Lee talks with Tim and Kenny. Kenny asks her who got under her skin. And Emily feels like Jabri 
didn't make any sense, and she wonders why Jabri attacked John. Next up are Ari and Binny. Ari got lots of criticism on social media for her reaction to having to support herself. Sean reads a tweet that says, I also need someone to explain how does Ari or Emily dictate anything when neither of them earns any money. Here's an idea. Ari, stop worrying about the four hours Binny plans to train. He can't work and figure out how to find yourself 40 hours of weekly employment. Ari says it's not like she is sitting on her butt doing nothing. She found a job and she takes care of Avi. She understands some of the resentment towards her because people feel she is privileged and she never had to work. But she says she appreciates what she has and she is very grateful for it. She gets the outside perspective of her being 30 and not working, but she also wouldn't judge anyone else. She wouldn't say Emily doesn't do anything when she works hard raising her kids. Sean says two of the most important people in Benny's life are his sisters Mimi and Wish. They have always had a difficult relationship with Ari, and the bad blood reached a whole new level when Ari and Binny revealed that they were officially leaving Ethiopia with Avi. They flash back to the wine-to-the-face moment and the scene of Binny's sister suggesting that if the relationship between Binny and Ari doesn't work, at least she can still help him get the green card. Binny says he likes the idea of protecting himself in the flashback scene. Kara tells Binny Ari is his wife and the mother of his child. And he didn't say anything when she got wine in her face. And he was laughing with his sisters on the video call. So Kara asks Binny, where is the line? She asks, where is Benny going to tell them they have to respect his wife? Benny says in that moment, he just didn't want to make it worse. He says if he asked his sisters why they did that, it would make it worse. Sean asks what Shida thinks, and she thinks with the wine thing, she waited just to come to the tell-all to say she thought it was super distasteful and she says Benny's sisters had no right to disrespect the mother of his son. Shida hated that part. Ari says she also didn't like it, of course. Kara says she wanted to fight Benny's sisters. Shida was surprised when she saw Benny laughing with his sisters during the video call. She tells Benny he has to create boundaries. She knows those are his sisters, but Ari is his wife. Benny says he knows, but in the moment, he didn't want his family to break up with his wife or end the relationship completely. He wanted to try and maintain it. He knew his family is very overprotective of him. They felt they were protecting him. And Shida says Benny is older and they are protecting him, but there's a point where Benny has to tell his sisters he loves them, but they can't disrespect his wife. 
Miona says if Jibri had sisters and they did that to her, they would never see them again if they did that to her. Jibri would need to cut off his sisters immediately if they threw wine at her or if they were aggressive. Muhammad says maybe Binny felt Ari didn't respect his sisters. We don't know. Guillermo says no. He said Binny told them he wanted them to be quiet. But if he doesn't put his foot down, his sisters will keep going because they see that he doesn't put any limit. Shida says Binny's sisters were disrespectful in all degrees. Muhammad says we weren't there. And Shida says no one deserves to have wine thrown in their face. She says they could have handled that situation differently. Shida feels for Ari. Kara says Ari wasn't wrong. She said she was marrying Binny and not his sisters, and that's a fact. Emily asks Ari if she was okay with how Binny handled it. Ari says she was mad at Binny after the shock wore off. She felt Binny didn't do anything, and she isn't saying Binny handled it right, but she understands why Binny does certain things. Ari says Binny feels stuck so many times. He wants to say something and he can't get it out. So she knows it's hard. But she acknowledges at some point you have to get over it and express yourself. But she still sympathizes with Binny's struggle. Kara tells Binny he wanted Ari to come say bye to his sisters after they just threw wine on Ari. Kara thought that was unreasonable. Benny says he knows what Ari is feeling and he feels it inside. He feels bad because he loves Ari. She's his wife. He doesn't want his family to be disrespectful, of course. Jibri asks if they apologized. Ari says no. Sean mentions that Benny's sister suggested that he marry Ari no matter what just to get the green card. Sean asks Benny if he ever realistically thought about doing that. Benny explains he had a baby and the baby was 100% in between he and Ari. But if Avi wasn't born, he says maybe he and Ari wouldn't be together because they fight. Sean asks Binny if Avi wasn't born, if he and Ari would be married. Binny says he and Ari have bad communication. They don't listen to each other. They fight all the time. But when Avi entered the picture, they consulted each other because of him. Ari thinks she and Binny have always really loved each other. But their relationship is really hard because they love each other they go through it and it's not easy. Sean says this is the first time Binny has admitted that he and Ari wouldn't be married if it wasn't for their son Avi. Ari says they maybe would not be married and Sean says it sounds like a high probability though. Obi points out that Binny has his green card now so he's just being honest. Kobe says maybe without Avi, Ari and Binny wouldn't be where they are right now. 
But he says Avi brought them together and now they are together because they love each other. Benny says yes and Ari says she thinks they have always loved each other but it would never be easy because they are total opposites. Kara asks if when Avi is an adult, if Ari and Benny will still stay together. Benny says he works so hard for this relationship. He says before Ari didn't understand him and she didn't give him time to communicate. And now Ari is much better. Ari says even if they are not together, she is still grateful to Benny because he taught her about patience and commitment and about God and so many things. And because of Benny, she is a better person. And because of Benny, she has Avi. So she loves Benny for that. Jibri is laughing. This guy acts like he's 12. Kara says, anything is fair in a tell-all. It's all fair game since they have all put their lives out there to be scrutinized. And she says, she is a big girl. She can take it. Ari says, Jibri was an effing asshole. And Ari wondered why Jibri is so aggressive. Why is he so crazy? She says it's overwhelming to deal with someone like that. And she really thought it was fucked up when Jibri said her relationship with Benny was not going to last because she and Benny have been together for three and a half years. And she knows it's early on in the relationship, but they really love each other. Fiona says this was a long day. And Jibri says he spoke his truth during the tell-all and Benny and Ari are very toxic. And he says Bilal and Shida are also toxic. And Jibri thinks he and Miona have a lot to work on. But after seeing most of the couples today, he realized they don't have as much as he thought they had to work on. Jibri admits he needs to work on his temper and his patience. And he needs to make sure that he is sending love and light to everybody rather than just always trying to fight everybody. Patrick says the hardest part today was hashing things out again with John and kind of seeing how his fairy tale of everyone getting along and living together did not come true. Patrick says it's a tough situation to be in. He's stuck in the middle of two people he cares about, and he thinks he is doing the best he can. They still have a whole life to figure out. Eve says, at times it was a hard process. She says Muhammad got heated at the tell-all. Muhammad says, today was an unexpected day. It was so hard to be open. It isn't something easy, he says. He's trying to understand more and he thinks he and Eve know each other better now and that's something good. Emily and Kobe talk to Bilal and Shida in the green room after the tell-all and Emily says she wanted to tell them she didn't think it was fair how Jibri said that Bilal and Shida won't last. Emily tells them she thinks they will for sure last and she sees love and chemistry, and she felt really bad. Emily apologizes that she didn't say anything in the moment. 
She regrets not standing up for Bilal and Shida. Kobe says, Every relationship has ups and downs, and it's sad that someone not in their shoes is predicting what their relationship will look like. He tells Bilal and Shida they're the ones in it, and they know their relationship and that it will work. Kobe says they are mature and in love. They aren't babies. And Kobe says he doesn't care what people say about them. He knows they're doing good. And Emily says she was shocked that Jibri said that Bilal and Shida wouldn't work out. She says everyone has an opinion, but she thought that was a little mean and a little personal of Jibri. Emily says in a couple of months, she and Kobe want to move out, but they don't have a lot of money right now to do that. Kobe agrees they need to move out. They need to get some space for their relationship, and they have two kids right now. Bilal feels like here he is thinking he's this good guy, but it seems like everybody sees it differently and it didn't feel good. Shida knows that Bilal is an amazing person. She says she wouldn't travel all this way, almost 3,000 miles, to marry someone that she thinks is not fit to be a husband. Shida says it's these little things that get into a relationship, and if they don't deal with it now, it could fester. And after hearing what Shahida, Bilal's ex, had to say, it looked like they never dealt with that, and it probably reached a point where Bilal's ex-wife couldn't take it anymore. So now, Shida wants herself and Bilal to not make the same mistake. That's all, she says. She says they're going to identify what the problem is and they can work on it and listen. And she is willing to work on it as Bilal's wife. She says she is here with him. And Bilal is silent. You can tell he's very affected by this. He's shutting down. And Shida says if she stays silent, it could turn out to be like Bilal's last marriage. Shida starts crying as Bilal silently stands there. He looks very hurt, and I am no Bilal fan. But when Shida says this could turn out like his last marriage, I think that pressed a button in Bilal because what he was most worried about is reliving that same heartbreak he had with his first marriage. And here Shida is saying on TV, that's a possibility. I also thought it was a little shady when Shida suggested Bilal can give advice on how not to get a woman pregnant, like it emasculated Bilal some. I think Bilal is OCD and controlling and too difficult. Everything is a competition with Bilal. One wins or loses, and Bilal is a salesman 24-7. He's a businessman. He approaches everything that way. Even love and marriage. Everything is a deal for Bilal. And I think Bilal does this to protect himself because deep down, he is afraid of being hurt and he has insecurities. I think deep down, deep, deep down, Bilal is a good guy. He has a lot of fear and so he probably makes everything about control. Turns everything into a deal because that's his way to navigate because he doesn't know probably how to just be himself. And he doesn't know it's okay to let the side down. He's very rigid and uptight 
all the time. Shortly after the tell-all, we learned that Eve discovered text messages between Muhammad and another woman. They show Eve on camera at her house reacting. She says it's very shocking and raw and disappointing. It's saddening. Muhammad chose to spend his time focused on starting other relationships and engaging in activity a married man should not be engaging in, Eve says. Muhammad says he met a girl online. She was very nice, he thought. They were friends, and he was speaking to this woman for two months. And then things started to get bigger. They show these messages, and Muhammad says, In these texts, I would love to go with you anywhere. Trust me, I don't care anymore. And then he says, I'm sorry again. And he sends a smiley face emoji. And he asks, what about a kiss with a kiss emoji? And the girl texts back, gosh, you are the cutest ever. This girl is totally trolling him. The girl writes, I seriously can't wait to meet you. And Muhammad wrote that he will go to the attorney right after he gets his green card. Eve saw Muhammad's phone and she saw the texts. And that's how Eve found out. Eve says she asked Muhammad if she could see his phone. And when she asked to see the phone, she saw inappropriate things. They show more messages. Muhammad says, I would just keep you in bed for days. And then he sends smiley emojis. And he says, just kidding, LOL. And the girl writes, no, please be for real with emojis back. This chick is playing Muhammad. Once Eve saw pics and calls, she put the pieces together. Muhammad says he wants to make things right. He says he texted these women. So multiple women, not just one woman. Muhammad says he told this girl he's a married man and to stop texting him. Muhammad says he knows he did wrong and all he can do now is say sorry to his wife and promise her that it will never happen again. Muhammad wipes fake tears from his eyes and he says he loves Eve and Eve doesn't deserve that. He says he's trying to fix it. And Eve says she is appalled and she is shocked and she honestly doesn't know what the future holds for them. They show more texts. Muhammad says, You know, I would leave to go with you. That's how I feel. And the girl says, Me too. I totally would get you right away. But we have to wait just a tiny bit for you to get the green card. Smiley emojis. And then she says, I hate waiting too. My first comment will be, Is cheating and talking to multiple women while married, part of the Muslim religion, is that acceptable? This loser really seems to cherry pick and he only follows the parts of the faith that are convenient for him. For instance, although Eve can't wear skimpy outfits or be alone with a stranger that's a man, for her protection, of course, Muhammad was perfectly fine to bang her before marriage and sleep next to her every night, even though premarital sex is against his religion. And he's also apparently fine to talk to multiple different women. 
and he wanted to run away with one of them as soon as the green card rolls in. How does Muhammad's religion feel about losing a woman and pretending to develop a relationship with her and marrying her just to be able to obtain something to his benefit? Is lying, manipulation, and play acting at a relationship to get a green card acceptable in Muhammad's religion? I'm just wondering. I'm not shocked. I knew Muhammad was only in it for the green card and not for Eve. And I feel bad for Eve being heartbroken and used. But also, we can all see all the red flags. Even Eve saw the red flags herself, and she ignored them because she wanted the fantasy fairy tale she imagined in her mind to be her reality, even when it obviously was not the case. Eve deserves a guy who loves her as she is for who she is, and she's gorgeous, and she's intelligent, and she works hard, and she can find that, and it won't always be like a perfect fairy tale. It will be hard work, but it's possible, and Eve deserves it. I knew Muhammad was just in this using Eve. This doesn't surprise me. And when he all of a sudden did a 180 and started acting like he accepted the American culture and he decided to let Eve do whatever out of the blue, I knew Muhammad was doing it to make the waiting game easier for him till he reaches that green card finish line. Eve deserves better and I hope she finds it. That does it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you guys next week for season seven of Happily Ever After. Bye!